So I guess we'll just try to figure out, you know, where we're going to put our sponsor stuff and all that. But... <laughs> <laughs> can I personally sponsor this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since Definitely. Don't already have yeah, you can do the sponsor read and everything. <laughs> Hey, I'm Brian Herbert. I'm Brandon Rossage. Reporting <laughs> live from Portland's OzCon. Awesome. This is uh, this is the second episode of our uh, podcast uh, at Ushahidi. Um, this is a weekly experiment uh, that we're doing to talk about Ushahidi uh, products and services and uh, different uh, things in the field of mapping and, and open source technology. So. Uh, today we have Brandon. He just introduced himself. Uh, he's a designer at at uh, Ushahidi, and like he said, he's at OSCon right now. So, tell us a little bit about OSCon. What what is OSCon? Actually, I have a I have a question. Like, am I even saying it right? OSCon, OSCon. Like, I'm here with Heather, uh, who's our community awesome uh, evangelist manager, kickass ninja. And uh, also David Kobia, co-founder and technical lead at Ushahidi. And I think they both say OSCON. Am I, is that right? Uh, OSCON is uh, probably correct since you're there. Uh, you're probably hearing people uh, say the name. And I've never been. So uh, I will default to you. All right. On OSCON. That's what I'm calling it. Excellent. Um, no, it's great. I <clears throat> showed up. This, it's, this is already like right in the middle of it. It's a multi-day thing. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I got here to see David... David talked. Um, he wrote. He did a talk uh, called "Pivoting an African Open Source Startup." I think was the name. Oh, here I've got it right in front of me. Yep. Yeah. Oh, project. Um, and so he talked a little bit about um, you know our, our background and, and why Ushahidi exists at all, but really was talking about lessons learned and mistakes we've made, and both just overall in trying to solve the problems we solve, but also in particular developing Swift River, which I, I think you know Brian has been a you know, it's been taken on many different shapes and sizes and uh has been frustrating at times. And so I think one of the key messages from him was like with this stuff, with this open source stuff, just shut up and make it. <laughs> which is great. <laughs> so I think yeah, I, I saw his talk and I've been checking in on some you know, being kind of more on the front end of of the development cycle, checking in on some talks about uh, jQuery Mobile and other development-related stuff. So, um, and I'm actually surprised, you know, given the audience here, it's much more. You know, if you walk around the exhibit hall, there's all the booths are like, you know, cloud hosting and just really like backend stuff. Um, you know, infrastructure type type stuff. And you know, for me, that it, it doesn't. It doesn't draw me in as much, and so it's been nice to see that there's actually quite a few talks and sessions that uh, that appeal to me. So I'm having a good time. That's great. Are there other similar projects, open source projects? Like, have you been able to connect with uh, other people that you uh, didn't think that you'd have a chance to connect with? I know you've only been there for a short time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, um, you know, on the I guess the smaller scale in terms of the projects. You know, we after David's talk, we 
definitely and naturally ran into some people who have deployments, Ushii deployments, and are using using stuff. So I got to kind of whip out an iPad and show them what we're kind of up to and make, you know see how it, it jives with their projects. Um, and then also um, there was a fellow. I, I'm going to have to bring up the company's name so that I could pronounce it correctly, but they were, they're basically sunsetting a product that is similar to Swift River and that it's like bringing down real-time data and trying to visualize it. And, uh, and he said that they, you know, they, they're only, they're only sunsetting it because they don't, it does, they, they don't really have a business model around it. And so okay. they're just trying to get in that sense, but they wanted to share a lot of their kind of, how they tackled it from a UI perspective, and so that kind of stuff is great, you know. And when, unlike other, you know, conferences that Ushahidi is a good fit for, where that may not even really be focused as much on the open source nature of stuff, um, the sharing, you know, nature and the fact that that comes up so immediately in these after talk conversations is is really cool. I'm not used to that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? How everybody in in our industry or or in the community, the people that we're connected with are just so open, whether or not they're for-profit or non-profit or open source or even a lot of the proprietary uh, people are so willing to just share ideas and collaborate and and really seem to come together for the common good. And, and I feel like we all, uh, you know, prop up each other's products, you know? So like, like at Ushahidi, I know when we're when we're talking to people, you know, sometimes uh, the things that Development Seed is doing uh, might make a little bit more sense for for a few people, you know. So so we uh, talk about what they're doing, and they're not nonprofit, but they're in the open source uh, space, right? So they're they're willing and open to collaborate on things, and and you know we run into them uh, quite often at conferences and events, and and even uh, other groups who who are a little bit closer aligned to our mission, like like OpenStreetMap. Which is a you know a not for profit organization, and they're doing mapping and and different things like that. And we're always uh, constantly talking with them about uh, how we can incorporate their maps into our products and and how we can work together and we share ideas. And it's it's amazing. I it's it's just really interesting uh, coming from a background where I used to work at CNET and uh, another for profit education. Uh, institution called Ashworth College, we, we uh, never really had those opportunities to collaborate. And, and I felt like we were all in like a, just kind of like a big bubble, right? Yeah. So, so it almost felt like an us versus them uh, type of mentality when really it's, when you get into these smaller niche areas like we're in with the mapping, it's, you have these opportunities to talk to other people and, and collaborate. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's one of the reasons why I don't think I could work in a different job (laughs) (laughs) i find like you know when you go to a car lot you had you you go with sort of a built-in expectation that like what you hear is not exactly the truth right i mean you 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 sort of take a take everything with a grain of salt and similarly like in tech conferences um you'll hear a lot of like oh we should collaborate let's partner here's my business card and and nothing comes of it and so it's it's really refreshing here you know, even though I still have those blinder or those, you know, safeguards up, I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, you want to collaborate, sure, you want to take time, you know, out of your busy schedule to 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 share what you're doing. It actually happens, and that's that part is 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 just it's something you won't get in other in other communities. Yeah, it's just so refreshing 
Um, and while you're talking, uh, actually, Evan Sims uh, just joined us. He uh, was was uh, busy fixing bugs, so he was doing something a little bit more important <laughs> than we were doing. Uh, the job's never over. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, no, so that's great uh, with, with all the connections at OzCon. Um, at, so, so you're saying that, that David's talk, he, was he talking about Swift River? But he was talking about the origins of Ushahidi. Can you dive in just a little bit just to kind of summarize uh, a little bit more about what he was talking about? I mean, if, if he had to boil it down to one thing Ushahidi related, it was, he was talking about Swift River. I mean, that's, that's what it built up to. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about the history, but I think... You know, he got into, a, you know, in terms of getting into the weeds and the details, got into a lot of sort of experiences where, um, you know, we'd on something we'd spend six months talking about it when it actually only took a weekend to implement. So, <clears throat> you know, the lesson learned from that being either don't talk about it and just do it or figure out, make a decision by spending, you know, multiple weekends actually implementing each option and seeing, actually seeing in a real way, you know, which thing works. Just get to it. Yeah. Um, so a lot of, a lot of, I mean, that's just one example of mistakes, you know, that we've made and, 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 ha- but there were also, I think why it was a build up to Swift River was in many ways, Swift River is a, the culmination of, you know, lessons learned. It's a handful of, uh, problems or shortcomings that Ushahidi, the original, you know, uh, ran into and, and us addressing them. So, um, so from, from the designer perspective, um, since you're a designer chiefly, what, what things do you think, uh, I mean, you came on to work on the Swift River project, so you didn't have much experience with Ushahidi, but what, what aspects of that do you think, uh, were implemented well? Like what did the just do attitude, uh, did you feel like like that was being implemented from a design perspective on Swift River, or do you think there was uh, too much deliberation? No, well, so yeah, I I joined the team full time in October, and my first day or week was flying out to Atlanta, uh, where David's from, and you know, spending a week uh, in a cabin with uh, Emmanuel, another developer, and, and Caleb, another designer, and uh, and we. You know, I got a little kind of a briefing on the history, which, you know, had a lot of unwanted baggage, I guess. And But from the beginning, because of that baggage, I think one of the core principles was like, don't, we don't have to carry any of that. Just start, you know, the, here are the things that are most important, which is that we can explain it to, say, a journalist, and it'd be crystal clear how it benefits them. And not only in our language, but in the UI as we demonstrate it. Um, and I think stuff like that was, you know, uh, immediately from the day one for me was like, okay, here's a here's a mistake we made. We're going to learn from it here. And I think that really has played out in in my work and all of our work on the actual product because while even you know he showed screenshots and stuff in his talk, um, you can see even though he's He's talking about pretty complex, you know, natural language processing and, um, you know, translation and distilling all these very, you know, disparate types of data, whether it's social media stuff or email, all into a single, you know, what we call a drop where they all are more or less look the same. In the UI, it just looks dead simple. 
you know, it's just a, it's just a bunch of photos and, and some avatars, you know, <laughs> but it's simply, um, all that information is, is, it's just, it's looks like it's pretty manageable. And so I think that is entirely to do with not any, you know, design magic I have. I don't have any, it's, it's just entirely to do with like, look, we spent two years trying to make a Swiss army knife. And when all we need to do is, you know, make a pocket knife, you know, or, <laughs> analogy that you want to use it was just it was incredibly almost more important to the people who had spent those two years um making mistakes for it to to be only what it needed to be right so um it's it's interesting you talk about that because we we also have this other product that we talked about in in last week's episode uh crowd map id um which had originally started out as river id and we talked about it for a very long time. And, and all this was is essentially an API, an internal API that would allow us to share logins between uh, software, between our products. And <laughs> we've had, we had meetings and we talked about strategy, all this stuff, right? So all that was valuable in a sense that it helped us, I guess, narrow down exactly what we needed to do. But really it just was a matter of when evan came on we said hey well here's this authentication thing just do it right and evan how long did it take to to write uh crowd map id i know it's still a work in progress but how long did it take to to get it to the point where it is where the version one right right um well i mean the version one we had when i came on when i when i when i took the project uh over when Charles left, um, I mean, it was the simplest of concepts. So I was able to port that probably, really, over the course of uh, of a week uh, from start to finish. And uh, you know, now as you said, it's a it's a it's it's building still with the 2.0 API. But the simple fundamental stuff, it, it really it really just it took a week to iron out. So yeah, there's certain comes with hearing that right <laughs> after all the deliberation and but and you <laughs> to get it done like if you really just got out of the way and let evan do his thing it would be great that's yeah that's that's how i work too it's you know it's give me the the basics the basic idea of what you what you want you know what we need to get done uh have a meeting or two about it and then just let me you know Pull up, pull up your pants and coding. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've seen we've seen interesting stuff coming out of that too, uh, like with the YubiKey support that that Evan's adding. Like that, you know, we didn't have to have any big meetings about it. You know, it's just like Evan Evan came to me and was like, "Well, got these cool YubiKey things. I'm going to hack on this and CrowdMap ID." And it's like, okay. <laughs> so now we've got this cool like, you know, physical device that you can use to to authenticate yourself, which we wouldn't have had before. We would have had, uh, we could have had, I don't know how many meetings and trying to figure out, oh, well, what's the best <laughs> USB key solution? What, you know, just do it. Just get well, it done. It's it's funny too. I was I was looking at UB keys just from a strictly personal standpoint, right? I was thinking, you know, what can I do to improve my own personal security? And then it's sort of fleshed out from that. Like when I, when I came across Ubico and, and the UB keys, I was like, Wow, this would actually be a huge advantage for Ushahidi uh, and CrowdMap. 
So and it's such a simple SDK, it took me a couple hours to implement. So yeah, I mean, it's it was evolution out of necessity, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, smoke up our own, you know, team's butt here, but <laughs> I, a lot of that is to the credit of, I think, the culture um, of it. Certainly, you know, our team where, you know, I, I was telling Dave, I was, you know, because Dave and I actually have met, or excuse me, we haven't seen each other face to face since that Georgia Swift River, um, you know, week of, you know, uh, um, I was sort of catching him up on some of my how I went about actually building some of this crowd map stuff. And as I was sharing it with him, like I, I realized talking like, Oh my God, I made a bunch of major like technical decisions without really consulting with anybody. I just did it. And while uh, I was, I was able to do it really fast. I, I still have from being in other teams where this culture is not this way. Like, Oh shoot, he's going to like totally jump down my throat about how I didn't check and I didn't, you know, get, I didn't, whatever right votes to the right approval and then i immediately remember like oh it's david you know and i think that's a big part of it yeah i think something else that's really important to mention here is um trying to loop the community in on some of these things right so so a lot of times and this could be this could be construed as either a pro or a con but the the way that we've been working uh to date has usually been let's Let's get a product to the minimum viable product and then open it up uh, to allow the community to come in and help, uh, you know, test and hack on it and, and add features uh, or, or, or grow the product from the minimal viable product that we have already uh, hacked together. I don't know how that's going to change in the future uh, because with Ushahidi 3.0 and I know with some of this de uh, design jam stuff that you had done uh, last week, which I want to talk about a little bit, um, we're, we're trying to get the community involved a little bit more in the upfront process before we just dive into things. Um, sometimes I think it's really valuable for us to just get it done, right? So, so we know that we need to have something, so we should just work on it and do it. Um, but in these other cases, uh, we really need to have uh, the community more involved. So, it, it, Brandon, you were at this design jam in Seattle. Can you talk a little bit more about what that event was and and what you guys were doing, and maybe a little talk about some lessons learned, perhaps from from that event. Yeah, and actually, like in the larger, or in the context of what we're talking about, um, it's it's a, it's an interesting contrast. Not because they are widely different uh, audience, because of exactly this issue. Like, um, you know, David's talk is about getting it done and just making tough decisions and, and going. While a design jam is about like stepping back, a lot of feedback and thinking things through, and I sort of rediscovered about myself the previous week in this design jam in Seattle that uh, you know my the way I work, my personality is much more you know attracted to the get it done, which is not which is a bad thing in a lot of ways for a designer because what we did and what's common in all design jams is you come up with a challenge for everybody in attendance and in Seattle it was um, you know look at the look at Ushahidi's admin UI so for a deployer if they want to manage their deployment right now their admin UI is at a totally different U URL and it's at a you know an entirely different interface than what the public sees and when you look now at the landscape of other products that people are using for anything you know Facebook for that matter 
where the abstraction of the admin UI from the what the public sees um, is far smaller. You know, on Facebook, you it's almost what you see is what you get. Where does let's step back and where does Ushahidi? What's really appropriate for Ushahidi? Does that make sense, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense. So, and that's what we did. We went through this exercise of you know, let's take stock of what's you know what all is baked into the UI and at Ushahidi, and maybe figure out if it's if it's indeed appropriate for it to be pulled out into an entirely different place. And uh, see, you know, what people's take is on that. And uh, you know, one thing I observed pretty quickly was that this particular group of attendees were part of our community, were from a development background. So coding, less, you know, they <laughs> you get effect right away. You know, a lot of the exercises that we did to try to like uh, communicate our ideas involved, pen, you know markers and paper and they all shoved it over to me and were like I don't draw <laughs> <laughs> you know and at a design jam you're like oh great so <laughs> their perspective because what there I what a lot of the stuff we heard were things around I want tools to theme so that I don't have to do any of that you know I don't have to deal with CSS or, or any of the front-end development and, and, and to, in some ex cases, you know, they almost wanted to see in Ushahidi an admin UI that, that is, A, totally separate, and B, is almost like a page builder, like Squarespace or, you know, any of these drag-and-drop web interfaces, um, where they not only manage their reports, but, you know, really manage the whole look and feel of their website. It was almost a comprehension. Anyway, we got back, and it was... Timely because we're doing a lot of work on you know the next major version of Ushahidi and and how the UI and, and dealt which deals very much with the same challenge of how do we deal with admin functions versus public functions. Um, but what was frustrating for me and I, I even got myself into trouble because I said this publicly in another podcast um, a few days later is that you know because of my I just want to go and, and build it, it I I before the event was over. Um, you know, let's let's say the event was two two or three hours long. At about ninety minutes, and I had, I for, for myself had heard enough feedback where I just wanted to go and try to build something with it. And so, the, which makes the remaining ninety minutes kind of hard. Um, and <laughs> so, that's just me. That's another. I just have to deal with that and get better at that. But that, that's a challenge as a designer, and I guess you know because I can go and build this stuff. A, a developer that that I have with. Any of this community stuff, open source, you know, even here, you know, everybody wants to share and work and go. And I'm like, yeah, I'd kind of like to go wear my pajama pants and <laughs> work up. It's hard. Yeah, no, uh, I. That's that's the reason why why Heather uh, is one of the hardest workers on our team. And Heather Heather's our. Um, she she really does a lot of everything, uh, but I guess her title is. I guess it's community manager. I don't know. Titles don't really matter in Ushahidi so much, but <clears throat> um, no, she's constantly <clears throat> trying to coach our team and 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 help us uh, communicate better with people in the community. And it's it's a lot of it is is really just uh, communication, right? And having us uh, talk to the right people at the right times, uh, that sort of thing. I think it's we can still have this just get it done 
uh, culture, I think that's still compatible with um, the open source uh, community at large, right? I mean, open source is, is a, this is gonna, you know, it sounds corny, it's the duocracy, right? So mm. getting it done is the epitome of, of doing, right? So it's just a matter of communicating that well with, uh, with our community. Um, do you, do you feel like we, it was a valuable exercise, the design jam? Do you think we should be doing more of those in the future? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like as one example, earlier that week I had seen, um, some design concepts wireframed that at that, you know, after seeing them, I was like, oh, this is so it. And they're all based by the way on, you know, a lot of feedback from community members and deployers and even people internally and but they were all very focused on like let's get as much admin stuff out of the way and make it super light and super simple and uh what i away from the design jam in seattle was that like we want to we still do not remove a high level of configuration so uh, you know as a designer i think had we not done something like that i would have just you know again in that my bias towards just running with it, um, I would have run in the direction of like, let's, let's just toss all that admin stuff out of here and build the simplest, lightest, and non-configurable thing ever. And so <laughs> in that, it's extremely valuable. Well, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about uh, some new stuff that we're working on CrowdMap very much. Um, haven't talked about it very much, but uh, we're not going to that extreme to make things totally not configurable, but we are uh, simplifying uh, the mapping process for CrowdMap mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit. So, so there, there will probably be uh, two different experiences um, in the future, um, and we don't want to get it get into it too much because uh, we still haven't you know fleshed everything out yet. Uh, but Eric Hurstman wrote a couple of blog posts about uh, disrupting. Ushahidi, so disrupting our own organization, and and there's a section about re-envisioning uh, CrowdMap, and again this plays into the uh, probably don't want to talk about it too much. Just our culture of just doing, just getting things done. Where, where he mentions that you know we planned uh, some changes for CrowdMap over the period of a few weeks. We didn't really tell anybody about it. Um, we we just wanted to have a, a complete idea before we presented it to. Uh, you know Eric and Juliana and David, since uh, they're they're the three uh, co-founders who are uh, pretty much running the company. And um, at first, he was a little bit hesitant because we had gone off on our own. You know, we didn't do all this consultation. We didn't uh, have all the meetings and the planning and all this stuff before we. There, there was planning, but we didn't consult everybody on the team because we didn't want to have this designed by. Uh, committee uh, problem, right? So, uh, yeah, he, he says here, six weeks in uh, is, is when we when we first pulled him in. He was hesitant, but then eventually realized that well, uh, maybe something a little bit different is is good for uh, the organization. So I, I think we're going to be having the simpler experience in in future CrowdMap, uh, quite possibly. Yeah, my favorite part of 
part about his post and his story, by the way, is something I didn't know, which is that he says, my reaction was just to shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, our organization has grown to the point now where uh, we can't just have one person who who is uh, in control. Not that Eric has ever been <laughs> in control. I don't think he's ever said uh, just flat out, uh, Steve Jobsian styles, you know, this is, this is crap, right? You can't do this. <laughs> you got to keep this clean. But uh, no, I think it's been great. I mean, and ever since then, we've been working uh, with a lot of uh, different personas and trying to figure out how people are using the Ushahidi platform and uh, trying to design design this thing for um, a. I don't want to say a certain group of people, anybody could use it. Um, I can't wait until we can talk a little bit more about it. Uh, but uh, this is something we're doing. We're just doing it, right? But then the Ushahidi platform, I'm hoping, uh, will become a very powerful tool uh, that very serious pe- people are very serious about GIS or very serious about uh, a really hardcore journalism projects would will want to adopt and use that uh you know and make something incredible like very impressive uh mm-hmm. with future ushahidi stuff and that might require a lot of uh, a little bit more i don't want to say complicated but a little bit more powerful uh, admin functionality right and i don't know if you can totally uh unify the whole experience and make it like facebook one of the like more tired uh, annoying cliches and you know the design community is if you try to be everything you'll you know you'll be nothing and mm-hmm. with all these projects going on at the same time that comes to mind a lot and it makes me thankful that you know we started what we've been doing on crowd and we did because you know with the the design like I was saying with the design jam uh, coming at the same time as other design concepts they all, almost seemed at all the challenge in your mind seems to be, well, we got to figure out a way to rec- reconcile this all-in-one product. It needs to be all things to all people. And I think there's a certain, maybe just for Shahidi, not in general, but I think that there, it's wise for the products to be different so that they all can serve one or a handful of purposes extremely well. And where the purposes they don't serve well, we have an alternative for. So I, mean, I think that's kind of what you're speaking to, right? I mean, Ushahidi can be highly configurable, insane stuff. CrowdMac can be really like connected, right? Because it's in the cloud and and everything. A lot like very service oriented. We provide all the services, so you don't have to do a lot of configuration. And it can be all about real. So you know, digest just taking info in. So anyway, that seems to make sense. To me and I hope to. To us, this stuff all matures and gets, you know, more fully baked. Yeah, we want to make sure that um, we're really serving, um, you know, not only new use cases. I mean, we, we talk about the burger map a lot, right? There's a, there's a Ushahidi deployment that is tracking like the best cheeseburger and French fries in the United States. Um, it's that's uh, one of my favorite maps. It's it might be my favorite. Because <laughs> I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> the only thing I don't like about the burger map is they have it restricted so you can only submit reports inside the United States. And I'm living in South Korea, and there's this great 
well, it's a pretty good uh, burger place in my neighborhood. So I went and I typed up this great uh, report on this place. Uh, I included the address. You know, I made sure that I got the location right and everything. And then I hit submit. And then it came back and told me that they're only accepting submissions in the United States. Uh, uh. <laughs> so I wasn't able to submit my... That's terrible. My Korea burger joint. But, no, it's, you know, it's it's terrible for me. But um, at the same time, they're actually doing something very smart. Um, and this is this is going to be a whole other episode talking about workflows and, and making a successful map. But mm. um, they're focusing oh. on one area, and, and they're making sure that they can do that one area well. Uh, if they started to let all these other reports come in from, from other places, then uh, they wouldn't be able to effectively... Uh, moderate and, and map that stuff. I don't think. Um, sure. But I guess what I what I'm getting at is, we want we want to see more of those types of fun sort of uses, but we don't want to forget about uh, maps like uh, Women Under Siege, Syria, or or Syria Tracker, and those are two uh, big uh, crowd map deployments uh, that are that are currently going on, and, th- and they're producing some amazing data. Um, there, there's another blog post, uh, that was cross posted by Lauren Wolf. She, she runs the, uh, women under siege project on CrowdMap, and, uh, you should check it out. They've, they've really gathered some really important eye opening data about, uh, victims of sexual violence in, in Syria. And we just want to make sure that we don't simplify things to a point where, that sort of uh, map isn't really effective. So that's why, you know, that's something, that's like a really very, very important map, which can be done in a simple way if you are if you want to just display some information. But if you want to do some, some more hardcore, like uh, GIS analysis and things like that, we want to, I personally, this isn't something that, that uh, everybody's, I guess, signed on to, or we haven't like really jumped into it too much with the community is having tools to do some GIS analysis uh, inside the Ushahidi platform itself. Like those those types of tools, I think would be would be served well by a more uh, complex UI. Is complex the right word? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Well, one of the you know analyses. You know that somebody would want to do one of the analogies. Oh, uh, one of you said they want to do. Some people want to do like really complex GIS analysis. Like, what's an example? Yeah, so I guess do right running some kind of queries like show me all the reports in areas that are populated uh, over a certain amount. Or if you're doing a flood map, uh, like there was uh, the Russian flood map that was uh, a couple weeks ago. Or was that last week? Maybe it was last week. Uh, show like, show me on the map. Like, show me where the the flood might might happen down the down the river, right? Uh, and you could do that stuff with with uh, GIS types of uh, uh, workflows and stuff. I mean, you see that a lot in like as like if you use the Esri tools, right? So if you go to ArcGIS, uh, you can really see some interesting uh, data, right? So you can you can run calculations based on water level and flooding in, in certain areas. And um, the, I mean, they're pretty much the cream of the crop when it comes to the GIS 
uh, types of stuff. But I think that we can incorporate a lot of that into our platform. Yeah, Esri is. Um, and this, by the way, be a tangent, but uh, the really all the work we're doing on Crab Map was born out of the three of us being at, at Esri headquarters doing some work with them. And one challenge I have when we when that idea of like incorporating more like crazy analysis and more filters and more controls. Um, one one just as from a design perspective that I struggle with is like well how how does that all scale to mobile because what I don't want to do is what I saw Esri doing when we were there in their demos which is well when you here's this you know okay we're going to show you a, a a shot of our full desktop you know windows or whatever screen running our web app and it's all great and amazing look all the powerful stuff you can do and then when you load it on a smartphone it's in you know, redirects you to a different URL with far less functionality and a link to, to quote, the full version, which, you know, again. I- mm-hmm. Right. A lot of the, a lot of the mobile stuff um, that we saw out of Esri were just views of maps with uh, most, I'm going to say mostly static data, even if it might pull that data from the internet. Um, it might change periodically but the maps just yeah they, they just it synced but it wasn't really real time it seemed like a lot of yeah it, it didn't feel like you could really do much with the map like you could just kind of look at it and it's pretty um mm-hmm. they've got some great tiles map tiles you know they've got like the national geographic tiles which are beautiful they and... have some amazing tiles they do i love their uh national geographic tile yeah even their even their default uh map tiles are, are very very attractive and that's why we included them in the in the Ushahidi platform I mean right now mm-hmm. you can use Esri tiles uh, on your maps I haven't actually seen too many maps using them unfortunately but um, yeah like if you go on crowdmap.com right now you can go in there and select uh, like the National Geographic tile set and you've got a really cool like his, historical looking um looks historical but it's you know it's up to date uh it's like an old world map yeah it looks like an old world map just like the old national geographic uh, like pull out maps that you get in the get in the magazines and stuff it's uh very very neat yeah. well yeah like our, our whole team is at Ushahidi is totally on board with mobile and it's like a big thing to think about with all this so i'm thinking about it when i see esri's work and any you know new features ideas we have and so it's a being able to offer to add the kind of like really power user analysis stuff that um, you referred to, but not compromise when we provided people on a smaller screen is something that I haven't cracked yet because it's hard. I mean, we're I mean, I'm, we're already even like you even map. It's it's a much more streamlined version of Ushahidi, or in many ways conceptually, and doing that in the UI is even there, it's still pretty hard. So, I don't know how we're going to work that out. I don't. I haven't seen Esri work it out yet. We'll see. Yeah. It, it's still amazing to me that... When was the iPhone release? 2000, the first iPhone, 2004? Seven. Oh, 2007, really. Gosh, in such a short time, we've gone from these just absolutely simplistic... You know, BlackBerry, Java apps, and and 
and Windows Mobile, just dumbed down minimal apps. And now, nowadays, everything is mobile, mobile, mobile. Everything's expected to be a first-class citizen uh, in, you know, be able to do everything you can on the desktop on your mobile. So, I don't know. It still strikes as, as incredible we've come so far with that and, and that it's a reality, that it's possible to do, if not, as you said, a, a tremendous design challenge. Did the design jam cover any mobile ground, or was it all desktop-based, full-screen full stuff? Well, I, I would, you know, the short answer is desktop, because I think that's how everyone thinks. I, I, or, you know, at least that's how they drew, drew it up, you know, when they would express their idea in a wireframe. Um, but, that, you know, was it articulated that way? I mean, naturally, I'm annoying guy who's like well how does that scale you know <laughs> so <laughs> scale in a responsive design sense correct yeah exactly. okay yeah when you say scale to uh uh evan and myself we think uh how do you get fifty thousand users on this site how do you <laughs> how many queries can we handle <laughs> how many servers do we have to throw at this issue <laughs> Two or three. <laughs> um, well, I guess uh, I don't want to keep you too long since you're at OzCon. You're you're missing out on opportunities to meet very interesting people. Yeah, actually, the opportunity I'm missing right now is a <laughs> <laughs> way to uh, dinner with uh, a woman from Wikipedia and a woman from Open Office. So I'm, I think I'm going to go catch up with them. Yeah, you better, better nice. do that. Go quick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right so Brandon. Right thanks a lot. Um, I guess uh, until next week, uh, we'll have some other topic we'll talk about. We don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be good. <laughs> thanks. All right, guys. Have a good one. You too.